Cheers, buddy. Cheers. Third Lodestone Glasses. Episode 056. Business Broken to Smoking Podcast. Shane and myself sitting here talking about some fun stuff. We got this song by the police. I love this part coming up here. Mm-hmm. This album is just so good. Yeah. Synchronicity. Mm-hmm. There's one song I usually skip, though. Yeah, right. There's a couple the screaming of weird ones. Yeah. Mother. Mother. <laughs> That's so good. It's simple, which is kind of the theme of this podcast. Yeah. What's the drummer's name? Uh, Stuart. Stuart Copeland. Stuart Copeland. Yep. Yeah. So we picked this song, uh, King of Pain. For uh, thematically, we love this. Love the police, first of all. Mm-hmm. Big fan. Yes. But uh, I just finished reading a book, and I want to hear this chorus. Okay, all right. We'll wait for a minute here. I like that flam right there. Yeah. You know what? Right. You can't go wrong with a good flam. Oh man. What was we've we've got three or four of our songs we've been listening to that have mm-hmm. good flams. Yeah. You know, yeah. Kansas. I remember having some in there. Well, so <clears throat> I just finished reading a book by I almost said Sir Walter Isaacson. <laughs> Walter Isaacson. Uh, it's the second book of his I've read. And this one was Elon Musk. Uh, the other one was the uh, Steve Jobs yeah. book. Yeah. Uh, he has a bunch of other ones. I'll have to read some more. I I I liked, I liked, uh, I like his writing style. I will say I didn't like this one as far as like in his like his writing or literary maybe angle mm-hmm. as much. I noticed the writing, which you know isn't. You want that to disappear? Yeah. And just be right. about the That's content. Right. Yeah. But I um, I got turned on to this book because I heard a Lex Friedman podcast with uh, where he was interviewing uh, Walter Isaacson about his Elon Musk book. And then the next podcast, he interviewed Elon Musk. It was so funny to have that, you know, the two sides. But uh, Elon apparently uh, invited him <clears throat> to uh, do this book and it was over a period of several years uh they were they he did a ton of interviews family members hung out with elon elon i think i think he said like a 100 times or something mm-hmm. uh, he was in all these different major decisions from spacex to uh tesla to the wall the the solar i can't remember the solar panel company um the uh, boring company. Uh, what was the other one? There's another one. I'm, I'm leaving. Drawing. PayPal. Pay, well, this is after was, PayPal, PayPal, but okay, but right. he did. But he sat in on a bunch of this stuff yeah. over a couple of years. Uh, fascinating book, and I had some uh, takeaways. So at first, when I first started reading the book, I'm like, yeah, Elon, huh? That's pretty cool. 
like he's done some cool stuff and sounds like a uh, something I ought to read. And I didn't really have an opinion mm-hmm. about Elon. I, I was just like, well, I think he's done some important things and he said some dumb things. And in my mind, he kind of stuck out a little bit for some of the dumb things, some of the important things. But I didn't have like a strong opinion about Elon Musk. I have a feeling you do now. (laughs) Well, what was weird was I had these transitions. So the first, at first I went into it. And then as I listened, and I listened to it on audio, and it was a long listen. Mm -hmm. I wouldn't have got through it otherwise. Uh, It was like, I want to say it was like 20 hours or something. It was was quite a a lot. Yeah. So about, I don't know, a third of the way into the book, I was like, I really like this guy. You know, I found myself mm. shifting from ambivalent to big fan, you know? <laughs> and three, three-fourths of the way through? It, well, no, about a, a third, third, about a third, a third of the way. Okay. I was ambivalent, ambivalent up until about a third of the book. Mm-hmm. And then I'm like, this guy is a freaking rock star in my, in my book. And then you get two-thirds in. Well, then two-thirds in, I was like... I, the, I was uh, I was starting to change my opinion. Hmm. At the end of the book, I'm like, I don't like this guy. It was a really strange, like, a 360. Or, now, I, so I some, are there, okay, you're done with the book. Yeah. Is there anything that you still like? Or is it just all? Yeah, just, no, no. Just throw I, the baby out with bath or what? I really appreciate it. it I found myself in the Steve Steve Jobs, same, same sort of camp, mm-hmm. where I said, I think, okay, he did some really amazing things. I'm really glad he did. I'm really glad he pushed through uh, and and pioneered a number of things. But I don't like him. Um, and there's some things about him I still respect, and I wish, I just wish he had, I just wish he would let some people uh, help him figure out how to not be a total jerk. Um, and it would, and he, and he'd be like this, this hero mm-hmm. to a lot of folks. And there are a lot of these kind of folks that are like that. And, and what was interesting about the podcast with Walter Isaacson, they get into that, mm-hmm. uh, him and, and Lex, mm-hmm. they get into what is it about these people that change the world that are so just such hard people to be around and such hard, they have such a hard story. They have something, um, that really drives them, that really turns them around. And it's this perfect storm of fuel that keeps them going. Um, and also this, these demons they're running from and these things they're trying to prove or disprove. And it's usually around parents. It's usually around some major, you know, lifestyle or a life history. And and Elon has a really really difficult childhood story uh, with his dad. Uh, with in growing, he grew up in South Africa in the middle of the apartheid situation in the eighties. I remember listening in the eighties to all these YouTube songs mm-hmm. and uh, I almost said YouTube, YouTube <laughs> songs. And you know I didn't. And and we were reading that. Uh, was that the Crossroads or Cornerstone? Cornerstone magazine. Oh yeah, Resurrection Band, Res right. Band. Yeah, and and at that time, you know, I was probably what twelve or fourteen. I didn't really, I didn't really get it. I kind of got it mm-hmm. that you know, uh, apartheid in South Africa and all that was was 
really difficult and um, and confusing. And, and but anyway, he grew up in the middle of that, in the middle of I think it was Johannesburg, I believe. Um, so that colored his life story quite a bit. So that was my um, the, my journey through the book, and there's so much that he had a huge, huge impact on. He he fundamentally changed, I think, like five industries. Mm-hmm. Uh, the space travel, ridiculous how much he changed um, the the uh, space industry, if you can call it that. Space space. Yeah, the space space. Also, uh, electric cars would not argue, arguably would be a one hundredth of what they are now uh, if it weren't for him. And he pioneered all these different things, uh, made them affordable and awesome, and and pressed all these boundaries. Robotics is another place he's. Inc- I didn't know that. Incredibly advanced mm-hmm. in uh, AI. <clears throat> he has a really really strong opinion about AI. Uh, he's said a number of times he fears that AI is the end of humanity. I agree with that. <laughs> I think, yeah, <laughs> I, I share uh, some of those fears, but, um, but he's, uh, and he's pursuing AI in this really strong way to prevent it from becoming really bad mm-hmm. or really toxic or really destructive. <clears throat> and he had a really uh, telling relationship with uh what's a google guy uh larry something i can't remember larry page larry mm. i don't remember the the ai guy that isn't with them anymore um, no he hired him and okay. lost him and hired him and lost him a couple of different times mm-hmm. um i'm trying to I'm, it was one of the main uh one of the one of the owners founders of google i want to say it's larry somewhere i don't recall but he had a huge like fight with him and said, hey, they were having this big debate at one of their houses, if I recall. And he's like, hey, you know, um, AI is going to evolve into humans and if humans are going to evolve into something else. And that's not good. And the Google guy was like, no, it's great. Like, who cares if our soul gets uploaded and we stop being humans? Like, it's just evolution. Let's just move on. Like, who cares? And Elon was horrified. He, he's like, what do you mean, who cares? And and they all accused him of being a speciest. <laughs> of being like, hey, why are you... That's an interesting term. Yeah. Why are you so, like, bent out of shape about humanity? This is all we have. Yeah. And, and it... Elon's like, what am I missing here? Yeah. <laughs> <You know? laughs> and I, that, and at that point, that was one of the points where I went from ambivalent to like, this guy's my hero. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Well, the uh, one guy from Google was uh, Jeffrey Hinton, but that's, not, that's the guy. not the guy. He's the guy that's been warning everybody. Yeah. And he left Google. Okay. So that's who I thought you were talking about. Yeah, but it must, no, it's someone a... else. I, I'll flash it on the screen yeah. when we okay. figure it out. Yeah. I want to say his name's um, Larry something or other, but, but yeah. whatever. Um, anyway, so... Uh, he has been the forerunner of a number of big things. And as I went through the book, I had a um, couple major takeaways. One of them, as I was going along, is he kept talking about this thing called the algorithm, mm-hmm. his algorithm. And as you read the book, you realize this algorithm develops for him. And the reason I picked this song, King of Pain, is because of my little mantra, there are 
you know, epiphanies are costly. There are no mm-hmm. cheap epiphanies. Uh, the wise find epiphanies at half price. You know, all epiphanies are costly. And so I thought, well, King of Pain. So this guy, Elon, has had all these costly epiphanies, which is how he has developed this thing he calls the algorithm. And as he goes through his different companies, uh, he would, as a mantra, like rattle off this stuff, and people would repeat it back to him. And he would drive everybody with these truths. These are like his guiding principles, really. You know, and you you can call it the algorithm. He calls it the algorithm, but I would I would say really more like guiding principles. Like these are the things that he lives by. Mm-hmm. You know, and uh, and you see them develop from PayPal to SpaceX, Tesla, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Mm-hmm. Um, and you see how he learned all this stuff the hard way along the way. And that's so that's what we want to talk about is this algorithm. Um, and uh, to begin with, let me ask you what you're oh. sipping. What are you drinking? You know what I'm sipping? Oh, I couldn't. I can't even talk. Mm. It's uh, Buffalo Trace, mm. mm-hmm. which I've been trying to buy and can't find it anywhere. I forgot what I'm sipping. <laughs> I, I said, what did you pour in there? I don't remember. I don't know. Is it good? It is good. It's one of our bourbons somebody brought us, and I can't recall. And there was a little bit left in the bottle. I said, all right, mm-hmm. I'll take that. I finished off that one, too. So um, first part of this algorithm. So why don't you read this? And this first part, we're pulling this from a, from an article. What's the guy's name? Jeff Hayden. With Inc. Inc. Magazine, yeah. right? Or Inc. something, right? That's a short article. Inc.com. Yeah. Um, I'll, I'll post a link to it. Yeah. So we, we printed off this article, and um, and he's got in the article, in quotations, Musk's uh, actual word words are quotes from him. So mm-hmm. give us the first one there. Yeah, the first one. Okay, number one. So the algorithm has, what, five parts? Mm-hmm. So part one. Uh, question every requirement. Um, <clears throat> each should come with the name of the person who made it. You should never accept the requirement that a requirement came from a department, such as the legal department or the safety department. You need to know the name of the real person who made that requirement. Then you should question it, no matter how smart that person is. Requirements from smart people are the most dangerous because people are less likely to question them. Always do so, even if the requirement came from me, me being Elon, right? Because mm-hmm. this is from, like, from his book. Yeah. The, That's right. That book you just read, right? Yep. Mm-hmm. And, that, and then it says this. Then make the requirements less dumb. Yeah. He would say that all the time. Um, like, well, that's just dumb. Yeah. You're, you're, you're just you're just stupid. Like, he would call people stupid all the time. probably not a great way to no. go about things. In, in the book, <laughs> there's this really it, tragic scenario early in his life. He, I think it was 12 or 10 or something. And uh, he's at a... He gets sent off to a couple of boarding school-type situations. And there's this camp that he goes to out in the bush in South Africa... And he has to spend a whole month or summer or something. And it's like Lord of the Flies. I mean, mm. it's, it's a dog-eat-dog. That's dog. these boys. They're all fighting each other. And they wouldn't get fed. And they'd, they were just really – and they did it on purpose. Like, they were trying to toughen these boys up, essentially. Wow. And they encouraged fighting, um, bullying, and it just – it was terrible. And he was this real meek uh, or kind of a – you know, nerdy guy. Like he just didn't like that wasn't his that wasn't his angle. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. was 
street fighting. And uh, at one point, he called this kid stupid. And the kid, like, beat him up and kicked him really bad a bunch of times. And I think he knocked him down a bunch of stairs and broke his nose and broke some other stuff. I think he broke his jaw. And he got all beat up. He was in the hospital for, like, a week or something. And he got out of his ho- the hospital, and his dad's like, "Dude, you deserve that because you called this kid stupid." And it was like, and it, that was the kind of relationship he had with his dad. You know, his dad was always encouraging him to fight, uh, always tearing him down, and it was a terrible situation. So, um, anyway, so he called people stupid, and then he re- would call requirements stupid or make them less dumb. So, um, in the rocket phase, as they were designing building rockets early. Um, he would he would point to some part on the engine and say, why, why are we doing it that way? And a guy would be like, I don't know. I mean, they told me over there to do it that way. And then he would say, who told you to do it that way? Well, I don't know. They That's did. a great question. Yeah. That's one thing that I got out of this. Yep, like, and, and literally go through all of the Tesla plant. All, uh, when they were doing the batteries, he built a whole battery plant. That was another thing, that he revolutionized how to do batteries. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, and And... They figured out that if they did, if they made the number of cars they needed to make um, at the volume, you know, the number and the, I don't know, size, that they were going to take up, it was some huge on like 20% of all the batteries on earth. I mean, it was like, and that was just to kind of meet their production requirements they were going to try to meet. So they had to build this massive battery plant in Nevada, I think it was. Um, and so the, he revolutionized how to make batteries, uh, at least some element of that. Uh, and he would just go around and go, why, why are you doing it that way? And it was uncanny how often people didn't know. They would just be like, I don't know. They just kind of told me to do it this way. And nobody was questioning things. Mm-hmm. Uh, so that was a huge takeaway for me, yeah. you know, question stuff. Um, you know, you'd point out earlier the uh, smarter uh, the smarter you are, uh, the more likely it is that uh, they sh- you should question. The more likely it is that they're stupid requirements. Yeah, <laughs> I think is what he says here. Um, you should question it, no matter how smart that person is. Requirements from smart people uh, are the most dangerous because people are less likely to question them. Mm-hmm. And it's not so much that they're less smart things; it's just nobody nobody goes, "Hey." Why are we doing it that way? Dude, this happens to me all the time in sessions mm-hmm. where I have people, and I, you know, look, I respect folks that have advanced degrees. I don't. Yeah, you don't have an advanced degree, do you? Just bachelor's. Standard. I don't even have that. I have like buffet style, standard, you know, bachelor's maybe. But uh, I'll say, man, if, if you have letters after your name, you know, we're going to have, we're going to struggle a little bit with getting not struggle being smart, but struggle getting this thing simplified. That's, that's the struggle. Uh, running this business crisply without entanglements is the struggle. Mm -hmm. Um, and I think that people that have these advanced degrees and these advanced careers, folks that are, I'm going to use the word blue collar, I was like, oh, okay, I guess, I guess you're the smarty pants. I won't question you. And a lot of times the, the things that people are doing are so irrational. Well, 
or they may be very rational, but they're ridiculously unproductive or ridiculously beneficial, mm-hmm. unbeneficial, I don't know if that's a word, mm-hmm. to the organization. So big deal, right? Question it and, and develop a kind of a culture where asking questions is and, old. and requiring somebody to go, tell me who said this was a good idea. That's okay to do that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. I think that's great. Um, the other thing from this section before we move on was, um, a lot of times these blanket requirements were based on a one-off event, Mm. um, didn't require a process guideline or rule and response. Mm. Um, so basically learn from it. Yeah. All right. Read, uh, read number two. All right. Before I read number two, the other thing they said was when, when you do this algorithm, make sure you don't skip any steps. Mm, Right. You got to do it in sequence. And there's a reason for that, which we're going to come up on. So, number two, delete any part or process you can. You may have to add them back later. In fact, if you do not end up adding back at least 10% of them, then you didn't delete enough. So, that's the quote. Yeah. So, he, when he was doing especially uh, the rocket stuff, SpaceX stuff, he would look at these engines and parts of the, parts of the, uh, parts of the rocket and he would just say let's cut this off let's just cut that part off let's uh just remove that delete 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 he would Mm -hmm. say that all the time Mm -hmm. and um uh and then they would end up having to put some stuff back on like oh Mm -hmm. okay we need that we actually need that yeah okay let's put it back so that was uh that's this number two Mm -hmm. he did that a bunch with um uh, Tesla as well with, um, uh, you know, making the car light enough so they could get the batteries in, figuring out where to put the batteries, figuring out how to stuff the batteries in these different compartments and so forth. Okay, so we're going to go on to, uh, before we go on to step number three, um, the other last point from step number two Um Often we do things simply because we've always done them or because we think we need to. I thought that was good. Mm-hmm. Sometimes we think we need to do something, but we haven't really. Yeah. Yeah. It, it, developing a, a habit or a culture of, of question, again, going back to one, questioning mm-hmm. stuff, right. but saying, um, what is the purpose of that part right there? Right. And uh, now let me give you some examples some here's some real life examples from client work we will a team will lose somebody uh, not like you know to death or something but there will be somebody on the team that's been on the team for two or three years and they're struggling perhaps and i'm talking leadership team and there's some struggle or there's some drama a little bit and uh folks can't sometimes can't figure out as as far as like the key leader can't figure out what to do about them. And in their work with me, they'll be like, well, what should I do? How should I handle this? I'm like, well, I don't know, but, but let's, let's talk through all these different parts. And that person that we're talking about will suddenly quit and there'll just be this big hole. Well, they'll quit and there won't be a big hole. And I'll say, Hey, so why don't we just not replace them? Let's just wait and see, like, what's, what is it that is not happening now that Mm -hmm. they're gone? Mm -hmm. You know, what are the, 
things that they were doing that are left undone. And I'm like, wow, everybody seemed to step in their place. Like, really? <laughs> you know, we we just saved, I don't know, $200,000 a year and mm-hmm. the drama. And instead of us talking about this person all the time, now we're talking about other stuff. And uh, often th- people uh, don't have nearly the vital role that they feel like they have. Mm-hmm in an organization and we just get used to the way things are uh, and don't even consider changing things. Now, Elon would change things way too fast, way too violently, uh, fire people just ridiculously fast without any. And then hire 10% of them back. Well, he did that with, yeah, he'd do that with staff too. Yeah. You know, so. It's part of the algorithm. And he, I think he would, he would say that, yeah, he probably shouldn't be like that. But, um, but yeah, I see this all the time, this step two and the algorithm in when it comes to hiring people or saying who on this staff is vital. Mm-hmm. Uh, and we have an overinflated idea of our vitality, mm-hmm. you know, in the, in the primal in a primal sense, mm-hmm. you know, in the, in the organization. And we need to be there because we're the only, like we're the only thing that could fill that spot. Uh, but, but our, that, that I, um, our sense of importance just expands or mm-hmm. drifts or something. It just kind of floats or yeah, it expands. There's creep there. Mm-hmm. And, uh, when somebody leaves, it helps to, Helps to uh, clarify that. So that's number two. So what's number three? Number three is simplify and optimize. This should come after step two. A common mistake is to simplify and optimize a part of or process that should not exist. Mm-hmm. So that sounded like a costly yeah. epiphany. Yeah, right. right? <laughs> yeah, they work but, and work and work on some part of this rocket engine, and they're like, "Wait a minute, we don't even need this part." Mm-hmm. You know, they're and they're trimming and they're making it lighter and they're trying to find these suppliers that'll make it out of something, you know, that won't freeze or rust or corrode or I mm-hmm. don't know. And then and that and they'd spend all this time and energy and money, and then they'd realize, shoot, we could just rip this part out. Yeah. And um, folks would be like, No, you can't rip it out. NASA said we couldn't couldn't, you know. Who at NASA? Who at NASA, right? And they'll go, go back, back yeah. and like, shoot, we should have Man, we should have questioned this before we spent all this time optimizing. I think an example of that is uh, they were making these carbon. I want to. I'm probably going to butcher this, but they're trying mm-hmm. to make these carbon fiber. Something about the rocket body mm-hmm. um, that they were making out of this really expensive alloy that was really that had carbon in it or something. They're trying to make it super light and whatever. And one day Elon's like, let's just use stainless steel. You know, it's easy to work with. It's not fickle. It's cheap and and strong. And it doesn't, you know, the heat doesn't, you know, we understand it. We know there were, they didn't have to like <clears throat> innovate the material. You know, it was a mm-hmm. known, it was a known material. And mm-hmm. they were like, no, okay, we got to. And he pushed them and pushed them until they used stainless steel. And it solved all these problems. Mm-hmm. You know, so anyway, uh, make sure you're simplifying and optimizing after you decide this thing has got to be there. Right. All right. So after that, step four, 
um, accelerate cycle time. Every process can be speeded up, but only do this after you've followed the first three steps. In the Tesla factory, I mistakenly spent a lot of time accelerating processes that I later realized should have been deleted. Yeah. <clears throat> yeah, yeah. Um, and he was uh, vicious about accelerating things. You know, he would say, hey, well, he still he still does it. Uh, mm -hmm. Autonomous cars, we're going to have them by the end of the year. And he said that, like he said that every year since, like, I think it was 2015. You know, he made this big, bold statement. By the end of 2015, we're going to have an autonomous car. How does he reconcile that with his viewpoint on AI? I don't know. That seems to be kind of like well, two different people. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, he just, I, I, he wants AI to be open source, um, I, I believe. And I'm not, you know, I don't understand the ins and outs of it uh, in any sense. But his approach is to try to make it safe. He mm -hmm. thinks it's inevitable, mm -hmm. but he wants to make it. Um, really easy to uh, police, maybe, or mm -hmm. self-police, I mm -hmm. suppose. Yeah, and so he would, uh, one of the things about, uh, yeah, cycle time uh, is he would he would watch these machines. <laughs> so, for instance, he went, he went down the Tesla plant, was walking down, and he would walk, he does this all the time, would walk up and down the plant, mm -hmm. and and start talking to an engineer and he'd be asking them all these highly technical questions about the thing the engineer had just figured out. And it's like, dude, how did you know these things? He's a really sharp engineer. Um, but he'd say, hey, how come that machine there, how come it takes so long for that machine to do that thing? Because when that does a thing, it slows everything else down. And I'm like, I don't know. That's just kind of how... And it turns out that the guys that installed it set it at their like its default setting. I mean, super normal, yeah. you know, stuff that would be like, oh, you know, just turn it up. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. And they would get into the control panel. And he's like, well, get the control panel open. And the engineer was like, I don't know how to open a control panel. Stuff that's super juvenile, or not juvenile, but just elementary yeah. that you would yeah. think is just kind of one-on-one. Mm -hmm. um, and sometimes... We're too smart for our own good in these situations, you know. Um, I see this with clients who are like, hey, how much money did we make last month? And we have all these spreadsheets and software systems, mm -hmm. and and nobody knows. Mm -hmm. We have 14 opinions about how much money we made last month. How do you well, define money? Like, isn't that right? <laughs> how do you define isn't, revenue? Isn't that, yeah, profit was one, one big day. Profit? Yeah. Hey, how much profit do you want to try to make next year? What do you mean by profit? Right. Like, come on. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> Can we just all decide what we mean by profit? And then just stick to it. Yeah. So so accelerating cycle time. So he literally took that thing and he uh, he turned it up. Like, he's like, give me a screwdriver. <laughs> I mean, mm. like, popped it all open, found the knob that was the different pots, you know, and turned them up. And he cranked them to 100%. Oof. And they're like, you can't do that. And then it's right back to like, who said I yeah. can't do that? Well, it says the recommended is 50%. Yeah, that's recommended. Let's, let's try 100. Let's see what happens. And the thing ran and never broke, and it, it was perfect. You know, and needed a few tweaks. but mm -hmm. uh, And then he would move on to the next bottleneck and did, did the same thing. Mm -hmm. And it was amazing how much assumption happened around things like cycle time. So, all right, what's the last one? Number five is automate. 
that comes last. The big mistake in Nevada and at Fremont was that I began by trying to automate every step. We should have waited until all of the requirements had been questioned, parts and processes deleted, and the bugs shaken out. Yeah, so he had at one point, um, and I don't remember which one of these plants it was. It was it was one of the Tesla plants, but mm-hmm. <clears throat> he stood there and watched this robot. Uh, they they went all robotic, mm-hmm. really fast as much as possible. He tried to automate everything, mm-hmm. and then he was standing there one night, and he would do this at three in the morning, you know, two in the morning. When we're sleeping, and he literally has one of his kids who is two years old, mm-hmm. one year old, you know, running around. Mm-hmm the machines and stuff. Um, and he's watching this robot and the robot was struggling to take this sticker or this Velcro thing or something and stick it on this part. Uh, and it kept trying and trying and that's like four or five attempts and it would get it on there. And so then they worked really hard to make it do it better. And then he goes, wait a second. And he took his hand, took the thing, stuck it on the part. It took like a second. Mm-hmm. He's like, why are we having the robot do this? Why mm-hmm. don't we just have people do it? Mm-hmm. And then they're like, he's like, wait, we don't even need this part. I was <laughs> just going to ask, do you really need it? Yeah. And he argued with a bunch of people and they're like, no, 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 we need it because the, I don't know, NTSB said we need it. But then it turned out to just be a suggestion. And then. Nobody at the NTSB could say why they needed it. And then they just were like, well, if we don't use it, what are you going to do? And they're like, well, we'll, we'll tell you you're wrong. Like, okay. And then what? Uh, I don't know. <laughs> he's like, <laughs> you know, and he's like, okay, we're just not using it. And he just would press on all those little weak spots. Now, um, you know, some of it he had to put back in after he tore it out, but uh, so that last part, automate. He just and that was that was when that part of the algorithm got added. Mm-hmm. You know, let's not automate first. Let's automate last. Right. And what I really like about this part of the article is that um, so when you're in the, this stage, what's left, the things you really need to do that are truly important that genuinely add value can then be optimized and automated. Mm. Yeah, those are big I, words. Yeah. Truly, really, important. value. I mean, it's like yeah. you filtered everything down yeah, to yeah, what yeah. you really have to have. Yeah. You know, I like that. Well, so, um, oh, and lastly, the only rules or the only laws that are uh, absolute are laws of physics. That's great, isn't it? Every, everything else is a recommendation. <laughs> oh, that's so, good stuff. Uh, yeah, it's interesting. Interesting stuff. Yeah. Uh, the book's really worth reading. Um, we just wanted to, I just wanted to throw this algorithm at y'all, the listeners. And uh, give us a little something to think about here early in the year. Uh, in the coming episodes, we're going to be interviewing Chrissy Myers yeah. with her book, um, Resilience. What's it called? Un, un, unexpected Resilience? Un, I, I don't remember the title off the top of my head. I don't have it sitting in front of me. Sorry, Chrissy. But uh, we're really looking forward to uh, going through that. We also have Sean Ely coming yes. on who's going to mm-hmm. talk to us about ESOPs. Employee stock option plan is what ESOP is. So mm-hmm. we're going to be uh, digging deep on that. And um, also, I'm in the middle of a book which I really, really love. It's a, it's going to be kind of in the top shelf of, hey, entrepreneur, you got to read this book. And there's maybe 10 on that shelf, perhaps. 
and this is by Will Gadara. It's um, Unreasonable Hospitality. Yeah. <clears throat> very, very good. I've had a bunch of my coaching buddies uh, talk about it. Shout out to Greg Cleary, mm-hmm. Pinnacle Guide, extraordinaire. Uh, but the uh, this book, The Unreasonable Hospitality, is just absolutely chock full of real life nuggets about being a great leader, manager of a business. And these guys went on to build, and he, as he's writing this book, um, they built the best restaurant in the world. Mm-hmm. I mean, essentially, they they not essentially. Uh, I haven't got to this part of the book yet, but uh, <laughs> they, he's kind of setting it up. So, you know, number one restaurant in the world. At mm-hmm. the beginning of the book, he was number 50 in the world, which is still That's still pretty good. Crazy I mean, good. if you're thinking yeah. global. Yeah, 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 yeah. I mean, think about any restaurant you've ever been to, and then I bet it wasn't even on in the same book as the number 50 in the world. So uh, really, really good book. Great um, practical and anecdotal uh, ideas. Highly recommend reading that. Highly recommend reading pretty much anything by Walter Isaacson. Mm-hmm. So, there you go. 056 in the can. Uh, so, feel free to, you know, subscribe, like, share. <laughs> what are the other things I'm supposed to say? Right uh, check out our other channel. Check out our other channel. Roger's at Broken to Smoking yeah. on YouTube.com. We'll, we'll give you a link for that. Yeah, check Broken, it out. Broken to Smoking is our uh, uh, little YouTube channel that we are putting some cool stuff on. i uh, love to see you get on there and subscribe and check it out and mm-hmm. tell us what you think about it. Meanwhile, we will see you on the flip side. There's a flat and the wind will stop. I have stood here before inside the pouring rain with the world turning circles running round my brain. I guess I'm always hoping that you'll end this way, but it's my destiny to be the king of pain. There's a little